0: Life can be full of hard times, some that leave us feeling like our soul has taken a beating. For me, it seemed like the same old patterns kept repeating until eventually I learned to choose healing and move towards change. This journey wasn't easy, but it was fulfilling in more ways than I ever could have imagined. Today, with all the twists and turns behind me and the ones coming up on my own journey, I want to share my story of how I went from burnt out to fulfilled and abundant along my spiritual path in a way that is warm and accepting. Join me on this exploration into abundance as we explore my healing journey and uncover strategies for developing resilience alongside meaningful growth and joyful acceptance. Let's get started. Welcome to Embracing Your Energy, a spiritual podcast for women who are ready to break free from the limits they've set for themselves. I'm Jen Murphy, a life coach, mindfulness expert, and your host. I'm here to guide you on a journey of self-discovery and transformation. On this podcast, we'll be diving into visualizing your possibilities, reprogramming your subconscious, and manifesting your desires. We'll be discussing practical tips and techniques to help you tap into your intuition, increase your self-worth, and create the life you've always dreamed of. This podcast is for the woman who wants to create a life that aligns with her values, passions, and purpose. So whether you're feeling stuck, lost, or just ready for a change, you're in the right place. Remember... You are worthy, you are capable, and you have the power to manifest your wildest dreams. So get ready to let go of limiting beliefs, make some much-needed mindset shifts, and finally manifest abundance and success. Let's start embracing your energy. The journey toward abundance begins the moment we choose to be grateful for what we have. I was scrolling on Pinterest the other day, and I came across that quote, and I could not find the author of that quote, but it really resonated with me about how we're always kind of aiming for an abundant lifestyle, and once we choose to be grateful for what we have, we realize how much abundance we truly have in this moment. So before we dive into this episode, let me just quickly introduce myself. I'm Jen Murphy, a life coach, mindfulness expert, and yoga enthusiast, and I am starting this podcast called Embracing Your Energy, and my goal with this podcast is to help you embrace your energy and figure out what really sparks your passion's overcome any limiting beliefs you may have. So you can finally show up to live the life of your dreams and the life you deserve because you're worthy, you're capable, and your desires are meant to be lived. So as we get into this episode, I want to kind of take you through how I even started my healing journey. I hit a really heavy season of burnout a few years ago. And I've been working over the years to kind of bring me up to where I am now, where I live a fulfilled life full of abundance and acceptance. And I can't wait to share that story with you. So before we really dive into it, I just want to kind of talk a bit about burnout and the prevalence of burnout. And as I was researching this, I was shocked. A survey conducted by the American Psychology Association found that 70% of American workers report feeling burnt out on the job. 70%. That is just crazy to me that we allow this type of lifestyle to happen, that 70% of Americans just hit the point of burnout. And if you've ever experienced burnout, you know it's awful. And that whole mindset and the health risks related to it just are not the best living situation. So I really want to focus in on this journey towards if you're feeling burnt out, how you can kind of step away from the burnout cycle so you are no longer in a repetitive pattern and really start showing up for your life and living the life you deserve. A study published in the Journal of American Medical Association did find that mindfulness based stress reduction programs like meditation, journaling, movement, all of that found resulted in a significant improvement in the symptoms of anxiety and depression. And it was actually a reduction of 43% among patients in the US. So that is a lot 43%, that's almost half. And out of everyone that did that, I just think that is crazy that we can reduce those risk factors through mindfulness and self-care. And when we're talking about self-care, I am not necessarily talking about bubble baths and reading a book. All of that does come into play. However, there's so much more to it than just that. And then having an abundant mindset has found to show that individuals in the U.S., who cultivate that mindset, the abundant mindset, experience a 23% increase in life satisfaction compared to those with a more limited mindset. That also just shocks me because if you can increase your life satisfaction, why wouldn't you? If you can show up and authentically love your life, why wouldn't you do that? I'm just excited for our journey together to begin. So a bit about me, I used to be in the classroom. I was a special ed teacher. I loved it. I loved teaching. I loved being with the students. I work mainly with students who experienced trauma in their past, and the majority had an emotional disturbance disability. So we did a lot of, you can kind of look at it like reprogramming their subconscious. We did a lot with behavior and kind of getting to the root of the behavior and reprogramming basically their reaction to triggers and shifting their mindset so they can go out into the general education classroom and get the education they deserve. It was very rewarding. I loved it, like I said, and the students were amazing. However, I was not prepared for that. During that experience, I gave it my all, and if I had to do it again right now, I... 100% would set up way more boundaries. I was fresh out of college when I jumped into all this and I had no idea how to protect my own energy. So I gave them everything I had and I'm a big empath. So I started to really take on their emotions and their trauma and I started to get secondhand trauma, which is when you're listening to someone, trauma spill, and it just starts taking over your life almost. And my whole perspective of the world shifted in that moment. I just thought the world was awful. Like, how could the world do this to these young children? How could these young children already experience all this in life? And my mindset shifted negatively. I went down this deep hole of like, what is the point of life? Because They shouldn't be suffering like this. They're children. That was kind of where it all started. And then I tried to shift my mindset positively to kind of see the benefits of where we could go with it. And by doing so, it ended up creating this vicious cycle of burnout for me. I started to feel emotionally exhausted. I would walk into work drained, overwhelmed, and I couldn't even cope with what the students were saying anymore as much as I loved that the students trusted me and would open up to me, looking back, I was not in the correct mindset to be supporting them in that way. And I didn't have a counseling background to even know exactly what to say. It was almost like they were spilling their traumas, whether it was from abuse or anything else, or if they were currently having suicidal thoughts, and I just talked to them with no background on how to actually approach this topic and I'm not saying I did more harm than good it definitely was helpful for them to have a supportive person in their life and someone they could come to a lot of times students would come into my room before school even started and it was almost like word vomit they would just spill everything and we called it trauma spilling a lot when it would just be like and everything would come out of them and With that, it started making me feel detached from my own work because I saw the importance of how much support they needed emotionally that I didn't understand why they even needed education in that point. And even to right now, I do think that is a big issue we have is we need to help these students kind of make the shifts themselves. So they can accept the knowledge we're teaching them because when they are in that state of mind, when they sit in class, it is in one ear out the next. And then they're just the majority of time failing their classes. And everyone's like, why are they failing? Get over it. And it's like, if you experienced this, you would also have a very hard time at work. So I do think that started to happen and I started to no longer get along with my coworkers. I just kind of shut myself out in my room. Whenever I would walk into the teacher's room, immediately people would come around and be like, oh, can you not send so-and-so to my class today? Like, I just can't deal with them. A lot viewed me as the quote-unquote behavior room, and I absolutely hated that because my students were not behavior kids. My students were children who experienced traumatic events in their life and who were doing the best they could to cope while their brain was not even fully developed. It just started to create this shift and divide, and I no longer felt like I could connect to anyone at my school. Administration was not supportive. They just told me the kids need to get over it, and I was like, uh-uh, like, this is not going to happen. They can't just flip a switch and get over it. Again, I think if I had the proper training behind it, it could have been a bit different. And also if I was able to set up my boundaries of not just taking it so personally, it would have supported them and supported me all at the same time. And with all of that happening, I used to be super proud of my accomplishments and always wanted to be number one and that's a whole different limiting belief that I felt I needed and a whole mindset shift I have taken since then. But during that point, I felt like I was not achieving anything. Anytime I finally thought we got over a hurdle with the student, another one came out. So we would work through one of their limiting beliefs and help them shift their mindset and by the time we got that to where we needed it to be and we reached the IEP goal we were working on, a whole new issue would arise. I just thought it was this cycle and I didn't realize that as we dig deeper into ourselves and start healing our past, there's a lot of other things that we have to uncover. And we have about 60,000 thoughts a day and the majority of them aren't even conscious. So they are just running on autopilot and that was happening with these students. They had so many things running on autopilot from their past and experiences they encountered. And I thought by just fixing one, it would fix them all. And I have learned that it is an ongoing journey we are always on and we're always working towards fixing it. But I also have learned it doesn't mean We have to always be healing every single moment. It's okay to take a break from healing and to take a break from the shadow work and just live and just appreciate what we have. And I wish I did that more with my students. Instead of always trying to fix their problems, I wish we celebrated more of what they were doing in that moment and all the hurdles they had overcome. Instead of always trying to dig deeper into another problem we could work on. Through all this, I started experiencing the physical symptoms of burnout. I was constantly tired because I wasn't sleeping. I would get approximately two to three hours of sleep a night between prepping for the next day and just showing up to work. I always had a headache and my students... Thought it was great. Not that I had a headache, but piece that would give me a headache were those like super bright classroom lights, like the overhead lights. So I would never have them on in my classroom and I had lamps everywhere. I will say it was a very cozy space I created. I absolutely loved being in my classroom because it just felt like another home to me. But by doing that, it did reduce my headaches a lot. But the fact that I was just kind of pushing my headaches aside... And I know now looking back, it wasn't 100% just from those lights. It was also because I was dehydrated. I wasn't drinking water. I wasn't eating appropriately. I wasn't moving my body. There's a lot of other things that kind of played into it. But I did constantly go to, oh, it's the lights. (laughs) So I started to see the physical symptoms, but I really pushed them aside. And then I also had so much trouble sleeping. When I would go to go to sleep, and you might be experiencing this as well, I would stay up for several hours in bed replaying every event that happened in the day and events that are about to happen the next day and what I could have done differently or how I could have improved or what might happen if like XYZ happens tomorrow to so-and-so. I just never could fall asleep. And now I'm able to like fall asleep within seconds. Sometimes I'm up for like 30 minutes thinking through stuff and I've learned to just embrace the thoughts that are coming up when I sleep, whether I quickly write them down to dump them out of my brain or to just listen to them and hear what's being said, but also know it doesn't mean they're real in that the thoughts could be limiting beliefs that are happening and it's not set in stone that that is going to happen the following day. And then, with all of that, with those symptoms of the emotional exhaustion, the depersonalization, the reduced personal accomplishments, and the physical symptoms, I started to really experience burnout as I went down this, like almost like a tornado, <laughs> like a cycle where it was kind of big at the beginning and it eventually got smaller and smaller to the point of I was ready to explode in the causes of my burnout really came from the chronic stress I was facing. Burnout is often the result of prolonged exposure to high levels of stress, especially in demanding or high-pressure work environments, and that was exactly what I was in. I needed to show up for school to work. I needed to teach the students while also managing their behaviors and helping them make the shifts in their mind to quote-unquote, be a normal student, as a lot of my coworkers would point out to me. I hate using that term, but there were societal pressures that my students were expected to live up to, and that's what we were always striving for. And instead of looking at them and seeing their whole entire path and all the little stepping stones to get them to that point, we just thought we could get within a year to that point. And it was 100% unrealistic, and I didn't have the resources or the funding or the time to even make that happen. And so a lot of stress started to come on me, and I started to get all the resources for my students using the paycheck I was getting. Over 50% of my paycheck went back into my classroom. I would go to work. I'd arrive. I had an hour-long commute. I would arrive by 6 a.m., and I would leave by 5 or 6 p.m. And then I would get home around six or seven and I would prep for the next day. A lot of times people kind of miss this piece of teaching. They assume, oh, you get summers off, you work only from like, you get out super early and all that. And a lot miss that. It's almost like you're hosting a meeting (laughs) all day long. So they removed my prep periods because my students' behaviors were too out of control. So I got put as the babysitter as my prep periods. And that was literally how it was explained to me that it was like a study hall where I just babysit them and could get my prep work done. But The majority of time during those classes, the students, that's when all the trauma spills would come out. And it was very difficult for me to be like, Excuse me, stop talking. It's my prep. When they're talking about all these things that had happened in their life and they needed support and they needed someone to listen to them and they needed to be seen and validated that their feelings were real. So I just pushed my prep aside and went all in with them. And it was almost like another class. And then after school, when I would get home at seven, I'd make all my lesson plans for the next day of what I was teaching. My weekends revolved around prepping. Whenever I had a break from school, I was excited because I could prep and try to get ahead. I remember I would say I would take one day off a month for mental health but however that one day was actually a day i'd go to a coffee shop and just do all this lesson planning and grading and iep work to try to get ahead i was just chronically stressed and i felt like i had a lack of control I had no control over my work. I could plan all I wanted to, but I could never meet all the demands that were being asked to me. And I didn't have the resources to meet them. I remember I asked for a curriculum and the principal said, oh, like we don't have one. We have it just for general education and I don't want your students following that. And so I ended up buying my own curriculum for $500 just for one class. And I taught 21 classes in one day. And the classes overlapped. I would have grade six, seven, and eight. And where I worked, it was ridiculous. All the grades were on a different bell schedule. If you remember back to school when the bell would go off for you to switch to your next period, all three grades had a different one. And I had kids coming in and out throughout the day. So I was teaching classes on top of other classes. So for instance, sixth grade would come in and 20 minutes into their math lesson, the eighth graders would come in for a science lesson. I would spend about 30 minutes there with them while still teaching the math lesson. The math lesson would end for the sixth grade. Seventh graders would come in for social studies. I'm still teaching. like It was just insane. Looking back, I'm like, no one should have ever asked me to do everything I was doing. And at the time, I just thought, Not being able to do it all and meet the demands just meant I was a failure. And so the burnout just kept going. I kept trying to prove to myself I'm not a failure, that all my classes in college led me to this point, and this is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and I don't want to give up on my students. But by doing all this, I started to create conflicts between the demands of work and my own personal life. Everything... I did revolve around my students. Whenever I had a conversation, it was about my students. When someone would complain of something in my life, whether it was a friend or family member, I'd be like, how can you complain about this? This has happened to a child and you're complaining you didn't get your coffee order right. It just started to create all these conflicts within my personal relationships and I kind of went and cleared out some of the friends in my life because i just thought they didn't understand life when really it was me who didn't understand life because i had such a lack of support i just took it upon myself to give me all the support but the support i was giving myself wasn't necessarily the support i needed and with my perfectionism mind I thought I needed to reach all these high personal standards, and I was convinced I was going to get teacher of the year one day. And looking back, I not to pat myself on my own back, but I definitely should have, because if you look at the data of my students, I ended up raising students' reading levels and math levels, multiple grades within a year, while also working on their emotional state. I am very impressed and proud of everything I did accomplish, but during that time, I thought I was fully failing, and it took me about a year of leaving the classroom to realize I didn't fail, and to start to reflect on how the burnout really affected my life, and I get asked all the time, would I ever go back to the classroom? Originally, I said yes, I said I just needed a little bit of a break, but now I say, no, I will never step foot back into a classroom because of the vicious cycle of burnout. And I'm not saying this to encourage teachers to leave. However, if you are in the classroom and you relate to any of those that I just talked about, you may need a break and that's okay. And please reach out to me. I will gladly support you through it, whether you decide to stay in the classroom or leave. But just know that, Being a teacher or whatever job you have, that's not your identity. Your identity is you and the life you are creating and the life you desire. You don't have to give it all away for your professional job or your nine to five. There's so much more to life than just work. I wish I knew that a few years ago, but I also am glad that I didn't know that. So I could have gone through this whole cycle and learned everything I have learned. So as I was starting to reflect on the burnout I was experiencing, I was able to start my journey towards healing. And the initial steps I took to overcome burnout was quite a bit, but it also took me about a year and a half of still teaching to really get into the momentum of my healing journey. I started with just setting boundaries and the first boundary I set was removing my work from my personal phone. And this included emails, chats with coworkers, Google Classroom, and just basically everything. And email was the hardest for me because, in the middle, not the middle of the night, but like at seven at night, I'd be getting emails from parents about concerns they have or upcoming IEPs we had scheduled or just. I would have to write up incident reports for the principal based on things my students may have done that wasn't necessarily appropriate behavior. (laughs) For instance, like throwing a desk across the room or breaking a window. I would get those at like seven at night and I would sit there trying to type up this whole report So I removed it all and I didn't allow myself to check. And it was actually very interesting at first because I didn't realize this is when I started to notice subconscious programming. You may have noticed this the same, whether it's like trying to get off of social media as much, but my fingers, I would open up my phone and my fingers immediately would swipe to my email and I'd open it up without even thinking. Whenever I checked the time on my phone, next thing I knew I was in my email for work and trying to respond back and pull all the info I needed. And removing it, I just like my fingers kept going. And I was like, the button's not there. Like I can't get to it. And so by removing it, I started to see how often I subconsciously would open up that email and open up Google Classroom and all of that. So that was a very hard boundary for me to set. And it took me about three, four months to really get in the groove of it being gone. A lot of times I'd be like, oh, well, I really need to check. Let me just open up my computer. So it was a bit more of a hassle to open it, but I could still do it. But by the end of the three to four months, I had no longer checked my work email or Google Classroom outside of work hours. And from there, I started to try to switch all my lesson planning to happen during the school day, whether it was during my lunch break or whether I plan to go to school an hour earlier, stay an hour late. I started to really focus in on my time during contract hours and what I needed to get done. I went to my principal and basically demanded that I need prep. Like you can't just remove that. I do have a life. And the hard part with that was my principal would always go back, well, you're young, you're single, you don't have a family. That just shouldn't matter because I shouldn't have to bring work home and fill my personal time with it him saying that really started to form these limiting beliefs in my mind that he was right, that there were people there who had families, who had children. And I was just like, I don't get how they do it. And then I was like, well, maybe they put in all this work. And then by the time you get to that stage of life, you're able to kind of step back. And so I started to go in with that mindset. And luckily, I started to shift it by going for a walk every day I got home from work. So I forced myself to only stay after school for an hour. So school ended at two. I normally wasn't leaving. It ended at 2.26. So let's just say 2.30. I wasn't allowed to leave until three. And I normally was staying till six or seven. And I forced myself to always leave at four. And so I had an alarm go off on my phone. And I was like, if it didn't get done, it didn't get done. And I'll figure it out in the morning. So I started to drive home. I would put on a podcast or an audiobook to try to do some self growth and self improvement. And when I got home, I would put on my favorite playlist, I would make a coffee, and I'd go for a 30 to 60 minute walk around my neighborhood simply by going for a walk, whether it was 30 minutes or 60 minutes, it allowed my mind to unwind from the workday. And by just listening to music or calling a friend, it helped me to just kind of step away. And by doing so, I ended up taking a longer break after the walk. I'd be like, oh, let me like catch up with this or read a book or something. And I still at that point was doing some work for one or two hours at night for school. But I started to remove any work I would do Saturday or Sunday. And then from there, I started to remove Fridays. I really started to get strategic. And I did this with very small baby steps towards keeping my work at work and being productive while I'm at work. Even if I was tired in the moment, say I finally had lunch and I just wanted to sit because maybe I just went through several crises that day and I just literally needed a mental break, I would force myself to keep getting work done. And I'm still not sure if that was necessarily the best thing to do. However, by doing it at that point, I was able to go after school and do whatever I wanted. And take a step back from being a teacher. Over time, I was able to get my lunch period back and just really prioritize what I needed to get done at certain points. And I was able to see the future and see, okay, I have this huge IEP coming up in two months. I need to start prepping this many weeks ahead. And I just broke it into little chunks that I could easily fit into my schedule. By doing all that, it really helped me set my boundaries. And then I started to get interested in yoga. And I've always been interested in yoga my whole life, but I saw this ad on Instagram, so I was targeted. So it was a yoga teacher training for educators in the classroom who supported students with emotional disturbances, which was me. And I was like, this is what I need for my students. So I went all in. Did the yoga teacher training, thinking I was going to bring it into the classroom, which I did, but I didn't realize when I signed up for it that it was fully going to be the shift I needed in my own healing journey. And through this, I learned mindfulness and meditation and the power of journaling and yoga and just becoming in tune with your own body. I think that was the catalyst for my healing journey to really take off. And so Throughout that yoga teacher training and afterwards, I started to create rituals and routines to incorporate meditation. I started exploring my chakras and trying to balance them using crystals and meditations and mindfulness and breath work and all of that. And I really started to dive deep into the self-improvement world and spirituality. I had no idea where to go or what to learn about, but I just knew I needed to learn it. And there was something within me calling it. So I went all in, did that, and I made the decision to step away from the classroom for the upcoming year. However, it was unrealistic and I needed to stay in, but I told myself that was gonna be my final year in the classroom. With that mindset shift, it was my final year. It really changed it for me. I will say that was probably my best year teaching, based on burnout because I had set up all the best boundaries I could have. I learned how to protect my own energy and still support my students but not necessarily take all their pain and suffering into my own personal life. I started to learn the importance of self-care and a lot of times you might think that is bubble baths and reading a book but learning that My needs are also a priority, and doing what I wanted to do, whether it was a hobby or going for a hike or just relaxing and not feeling guilty about what I needed in that moment. And I started to really practice the power of gratitude and being thankful for one thing that helped me every day. And I really incorporated that into my students' lives. And at the end of every day, we would all share one positive thing that happened whether it was you got a good grade on a test or you enjoyed this conversation with a friend. And by doing it with my students, it basically forced me to do it myself during that time. And then I took it even further and did more than just the one with my students. And I started to really go into it. I started to value the positive relationships I currently had in my life. And I cultivated a supportive and fulfilling group of friends and family That could provide me a sense of community and reduce the feelings of isolation. At first, I wasn't sure where to find these people. And then I learned there's so many out there, especially online. And I think a lot of times we really focus on finding people in person. And that's amazing, too. And I still 100% support finding people around you for in-person relationships, but also finding people Online, that you can relate to and build a community around, which is really why I'm starting this podcast and this community of embracing your energy to bring together these women who are ready to grow and change and overcome their challenges and achieve their goals through a growth mindset. But finding these people and being able to meet up with them at different times or just connect online, all of it ends up sparking amazing relationships that can be lifelong friendships. I started to really engage in mindfulness practices like meditation and yoga, and it really helped me be present and reduce my stress. Whenever I would start to feel uneasy, I would notice it in my body, and I would go take a minute to just breathe. For instance, one time I was teaching that day was an insane day. So much had happened. And all of a sudden it was like sixth period and my whole left arm started shaking uncontrollably. And I at first started to push it aside and was like, let's keep going. And I just like held my arm and my students were like, are you okay over there? And when they asked me that, I took a breath and I was like, no. I said, I'm going to go take a break. I looked at the paraprofessionals in my room and I said, you guys are going to be in charge for like five minutes. I need to go breathe. Like, I don't know what's happening with my arm. (laughs) And I went to the teacher's lounge and I just took some deep breaths. And then I came back and I was good to go. And in reality, I probably should have went home, (laughs) but I was still so proud of myself that I even allowed myself to be self-aware to see I needed to go breathe and to just take a minute. I think I said I was going to the bathroom and Just found a reason to get out of the room. But that really helped me realize that my students are learning from my example and not just from what I'm teaching them. When they see my arm shaking, they are seeing that I'm stressed, I'm overworked, and being like, okay, I need to take a minute and I need to regulate myself. Really sparked this whole movement within my classroom of my students starting to become more self-aware instead of me constantly telling them what was happening to them. And they were able to be like, okay, Miss Murphy, I need a break. I'd be like, okay, go take a break and come back when you need. And it was so much different than just like me telling them to take a break and them not understanding why they needed a break. So yeah, all of that ended up really benefiting myself and them and I started to really develop this growth mindset and my whole mindset shifted from when it once was how could life be like this to see the ability my students had and the growth they could experience and the change they could have and then also for me too I knew if I was as low as I was and I had just gotten to where I was I still had so much room for healing and growing but I also knew I had overcome so many obstacles and mountains I was achieving goals I didn't even know were possible. And with that, I was able to start like radiating kindness and generosity. I started to gain up more relationships with coworkers and start to shift their mindsets around my students. Instead of me just ignoring them thinking they can never change, I started the conversation of, the importance of changing and the importance of diversity and inclusion. And I started to really question my administration about being a sub separate classroom and removing my students from the general population and really working towards putting them back in and being with their peers. And all of that sparked because I was able to become self-aware of what I was teaching and my own journey to help my students journey. And throughout all this, I was able to move towards abundance. I remember at first when I started, I wasn't really sure what abundance meant. I just thought it meant money. And of course, everyone wants money, but I started to learn there are several different types of abundance. There's material abundance, so like money, food, shelter, clothing, and it's about having the physical resource. But there's also time abundance, which is having time to pursue your own interests, your hobbies, or spend time with loved ones and family. And this was one I really started to gain and I didn't expect it and I didn't even know it was a thing until it started happening. And then another form of abundance is relationships and having supportive and fulfilling relationships with friends, family, romantic partners, and just being surrounded by unconditional love. And also building up abundance in an emotional state and feeling a piece of joy, contentment, peace, regardless of what you had in front of you, you just knew you were good and you were safe and you were ready for life. And then also having spiritual abundance, so feeling a connection to a higher power or purpose, and this could be God, source, universe, however you may look at it. But being able to see that you have the power and the purpose and you can create a sense of fulfillment within yourself knowing that there's something out there far greater than you that is putting this all together and everything happening in front of you is in divine timing and it's part of your journey. And then also learning about intellectual abundance and being able to gain a wealth of knowledge, creativity and skills and the opportunity to continuously learn and grow. Again, this was one I didn't even know was a thing until I started to experience it. So learning that abundance is not just money, but it's also the time abundance, relationship abundance, emotional abundance, spiritual abundance, and intellectual abundance really helped me see that there's so much more to life than just the material possessions that I thought I needed. With all of that, I just want to kind of go over a bit of tips and advice I would give you as you create an abundant mindset. And one that helped me was to practice gratitude. And I originally really struggled with this. I just would write like, I'm thankful I have a house. I'm thankful I have food. I just thought that's all I needed to be thankful for. But when I started to see the other sides of abundance, I was able to really build my gratitude practice to notice the other things around me that I'm abundant for. Yes, I'm grateful for shelter. I'm grateful for food. I'm grateful for the money in my bank account. But also, that's not all I am grateful for. And knowing I didn't have to constantly write that down every single day as my gratitude, knowing that I can feel that sense of gratitude, but also have this whole other piece of me really helped me. And then I was able to cultivate a growth mindset, which I really support you to do. And In upcoming episodes, we'll really go through a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, but it allows you to believe in your ability to grow and change and focus on your own strengths and your potential. And then I also recommend you start to surround yourself with positivity, whether that is virtually or with people in person. Maybe you join a yoga studio. Maybe you join a virtual community. Maybe your social media, you start finding people you really enjoy and following them and just filling your feed with their stuff, their positivity, instead of being fed stuff from the explore page or the for you page, but really getting intentional about what you are receiving. And then focusing on abundance. Try to train your mind to look for abundance and opportunity in your life rather than focusing on lack and scarcity. The way I did this was I set an alarm two times a day to go off. And when it went off, I had to write in my notes app what I was grateful for in that moment, whether it was having the time to be going on a walk, whether it was enjoying the coffee I had in my hand, whether it was the conversation i had with a friend whether it was just anything about my life and what i was grateful for based on the abundance and then also i recommend setting goals and working towards them again we'll get into in an upcoming episode with manifestation but having a clear and achievable goal can help you to stay motivated and focused on abundance and that is really how we begin to manifest our desires into our life And again, we'll get into that in an upcoming episode. But another important thing is to invest in self-care, to take care of yourself, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, so you can feel refreshed and recharged. And then allow yourself time and the resources. Give yourself energy for yourself and not just to others and focus on how you can actually make a positive impact on the world. Even if it is just to make one person smile each day, you have the power to change someone's life. And then to start reframing your negative thoughts and limiting beliefs. Again, we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode of taking a limiting belief and bringing it into an empowering belief, but really start to catch yourself when you think negatively and challenge those thoughts and reframe them. In a positive light. So that is pretty much everything I wanted to talk about in this episode about my own healing journey. And some key points to really take in is we all have a story. Whether you went through a very harsh cycle of burnout or a mild case of it, you still experience burnout. Like I had said at the beginning, 70% of American workers feel burnt out. No matter how your burnout story is, it still is affecting your mental health. So don't think someone has a worse story than you or you need to get over it because someone's suffering more. What you're dealing with is hard and what you're dealing with can affect your life in so many ways Especially negatively, but learning to overcome them and to go on the journey of healing and to do the hard work, but also allow yourself to have fun is so important. So, I would love for you to reach out to me on Instagram at jenmurphy.co and let me know where you are within your healing journey or are you still in your burnout journey and your burnout cycle and you need support getting into that healing journey please reach out to me and i want to help kind of mind map or break down some baby steps of where you could go to really start your healing journey or to continue on it and with all of that i just want to thank you so much for tuning in i appreciate it and i am just so excited to really begin this podcast and reach other people's ears through their headphones and reach their hearts to know that they're not alone and That you are valid for everything you're feeling and your journey is so important. I am so proud of you to keep showing up for your life every single day. I just cannot wait to see what the future holds for you and what is going to unfold. So I'll catch you next time on Embracing Your Energy. That's a wrap for today's episode of embracing your energy i hope you found today's topic helpful and inspiring on your journey towards self-discovery and manifestation remember small steps lead to big changes so keep practicing the techniques and exercises we've discussed if you enjoyed this episode be sure to follow the podcast to stay up to date on new episodes and to never miss a chance to expand your growth and potential And if you feel like this podcast is resonating with you and you would like to support it, please rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find it. Also, I would be so grateful if you would share this podcast with your friends and family. And if you decide to share it on social media, please be sure to tag me at jenmurphy.com. The more headphones and hearts we reach, the more people we can help on their journey towards self-discovery and manifestation. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time on Embracing Your Energy. Remember, it's time to let go of those limiting beliefs, make those much needed mindset shifts and finally manifest abundance and success. Get ready to step into your power and finally start embracing your energy. All right. Take care my friend.